Good morning, Life Involved Podcast. We give your game life. It is a Tuesday morning. I sit here on my break from my essential job. I'm excited to do this show today. It's always fun to find some time to do a podcast. It's always t- fun for me to talk basketball, talk hoops, talk life with all of you. And for all of you that have listened to the show, I greatly appreciate it. And uh, this is, for me, this is a lot of fun. It's I've always said it's kind of a journal. And it's also something where I think that there's a lot of knowledge I've attained from much smarter people than me who can help all of you. Uh, when I, what I mean by that is, uh, you know, I've been listening to a lot of podcasts lately. One of the things I'm trying to change with me and personally when it comes to doing a pod is, is listening to other people and learning from them. And I think that's what made me a good basketball player. I think it's what made me a good student of the game. I think it's what's made me a better person now as I've improved in some areas in, in just the last six months. You've got to be able to listen. You've got to be able to grasp something from somebody else. And uh, I want to give a shout-out today to Coach Steve Hawkins. Coach Hawkins was my coach at Western Michigan for a year and a half. Uh, probably one of the bigger mistakes I ever made in my playing career was leaving Western Michigan going into uh, the latter part of my sophomore season. Uh, I, I won't do a show based on just that, but I would, I would love to have Hawk on one day or be on his because I think that there's a lot of things that people could learn from the mistake that I made. So hopefully that's what happens um, because it would be a lot of fun. You know, I, I think that the goal for me is to be able to share my story fully because I think there's a lot of pieces and I think that there's a lot of things I've learned from all the positive and all the negative that have taken place in my athletic career. Uh, today's show is going to be about coaching and, and I'm going to, you know, again, one more shout out to Coach Hawk because he was talking about some great things yesterday. You know, he's had some former players on and he's had some big time coaches on his show. And one of the things that he had mentioned about was when you get a job was culture and how you have to set the tone right away with your culture. When I was hired as a varsity basketball coach for my one season, and I'm not going to get fully into my career because clearly I've made a lot of mistakes, but I do know one thing. If there's one thing I can do to help other people is I really understand the game. It's because I've been very fortunate to learn from some great people. Coach Hawk, one of them. Uh, coach Chad Mortimer, my high school coach, is a phenomenal coach. This guy, it's shocking to me that he's not at a at a, at least a Division II college, possibly mid-major D1. This guy's unreal. Uh, he's made the choice to be a high school basketball coach, a wildly successful one. I learned a lot about defense through him. I learned how to prepare from him. Uh, this guy would prepare better than college coaches for our opponents. Uh, the, the amount of hours this guy spends on watching film is absolutely ridiculous. And uh, it's more than college coaches. It's just unbelievable what he can do. So when we talk about coaching, for me, there's three C's in coaching. And we're going to talk about those today. And the first one is culture. So I think the one thing that people have to understand, if you're if you're a coach, this is probably only for coaches today if you're listening. And if you want to set the tone with your culture, the one thing you have to do is you have to be true to yourself. And sometimes what happens is coaches will come in and they want their culture to be like someone else's when really it probably doesn't fit their themselves one and it probably wouldn't fit the school they coach at because it just doesn't make sense. This is a good example. Mark D'Antonio, who coaches at a school or coached at a school that I didn't really enjoy very much. I'm not a Michigan State fan, but the way he brought on 
a certain way with his culture of toughness, tenacity, uh, the way he pumped up the rivalry with Michigan. There was a big thing of culture and the way he responded through the media. That's culture. Hey, here at Michigan State, you know, we're going to treat that game very, very, very important. And we're going to win that game a lot here. And that's going to set the tone for our program. That was culture. That was him, 2007, getting on the mic saying, you know, is little is Mike Hart the little brother or, or you know, because he's this tall. I mean, he, he didn't run from nothing. He was very open and blunt on his distaste for Michigan. That was culture, and it worked for Michigan State. I don't know if that would have worked at another school, but it really worked at Michigan State. Being tough, feeling like you're the underdog, underappreciated because Michigan's bigger. And for all the people that would listen to this show that are from Michigan, understand that, how Michigan State has always maybe felt that they were lesser than Michigan because of the history of the programs. So when you're setting the tone with culture, that's an example of Mark D'Antonio knows that this will work here. When I got my job, it was actually a similar type of situation where the school that I coached at um, had really had some struggles. They had a couple years of you know bad seasons. It was a school known to be very tough. They were tough on the football field. It was a school that had been used to winning over years but hadn't found much winning in basketball in recent years. But it was a group of kids that really needed to be taught how to be tough again. And it was a group of kids that probably already had a little chip on their shoulder. So we kind of had that approach coming in that we're going to win right away. We're not going to wait around. Um, you know, here's our goals. We're going to beat Hanover Horton, which was the high school I went to. So there was an attitude already about that, you know, that we were going to go into that game. That's our biggest game. That's a rivalry game. We kept that in-house. Clearly, it's not in-house now, anyone who listens to this. Uh, we downplayed it, you know, vocally, but in the locker room, we wanted to beat those guys. That was very important for us to win a rivalry game and set the tone and build some culture. Uh, it was a, a culture based on, you know, we wanted to play fast. We wanted to play tough. We wanted to play aggressive. We wanted to be mean. And, uh, you know, through the first meeting, everyone could feel in my voice that, we're going to be a very, very tough basketball program. You're going to have to work harder than you have. You're going to have to be aggressive with your approach. And you're going to have to have a little chip on your shoulder. And, and we kind of took a little bit of that Michigan State program. And we also used it because, you know, I'm big on uh, familiarity. And, you know, it was the same colors of Michigan State. Some of the kids were Michigan State fans, you know. So it was easy for me. It was easy for me to come in and say, you know, we're going to have this Mark D'Antonio type attitude. Um, you know, a little bit of Tom Izzo attitude like Michigan State does. Um, you know, the last name of the team I coached was the Pirates. So it was, it was like it was perfect. You know, we're, we're rebels, we're tough, we're aggressive, we're going to be physical. And uh, the refs didn't really thoroughly enjoy it. But, you know, it worked. It, it worked for us. So a program that won 15 games in two years, it was a program that turned around in one year and won 16 games. So it worked for us, but it made sense. It made sense for that program. If it was a different program, I would have probably had to have a different approach. And that leads into the next C, which is creativity. Um, you have to be creative. And I think what happens with coaches is you have something stuck in your mind and you feel like this is just going to be what we do and it's going to work. You find out real quick in coaching that the things that you really, really want to do, not many of them work actually. A lot of them don't work. And you've got to be creative. Uh, one of the things that, you know, this is a great example, 
is I really want to play fast. I want to move the ball quick. You know, it's it's a style of play that people love today, and I want to have five out. I want to be able to uh, have space on the floor. We found out real quickly with our team in, in year one, we, we, it just wasn't going to work. I mean, this was a physical team. This was a slower team, and we had to run uh, multiple sets. We had to get the ball inside. We had to out-rebound teams, and uh, we went to posts, which just not a lot of even high school teams do anymore, but we ended with two posts a lot of the times. Uh, you know, we ran early break situations where the point guard's going down the hash, he comes off a ball screen, that guy rolls right away, and, you know, the opposite side big sets a pin down, and then he's diving uh, or slipping right to the other block. So when we're entering the ball to the wing, we're trying to throw right inside. I mean, we were we were running that, and then opposite post may flash high-low situation, you know, where, you know, he's, he's, he's cutting to the top of the key or nail area, um, and, and not trying to get too much into X and O's, but very basic. It's We called it stack or red, and it's two posts. It's, it's three, three perimeter players and two posts. We ended our offense like that a lot. We found out quickly that even though that doesn't may not seem super creative, but we had to realize that we had to play a certain way because of the players we had. Then we also get to the next part of creativity. How do we play the way we want to play? And the way we played the way we wanted to was we played faster on defense. We, we pressed. We, we pressed guys. Uh, you know, we would deny every inbound. Uh, it was a sense of urgency. It was a team that played zone, so we got a little more creative and said, okay, how do we find a way to play uh, full court uh, trapping defense or half court trapping defense? We can't just have these guys stand around because they're, you know, this is already a slow team. A slow team that stands around in a zone gets slower. You know, I want to say that one more time. I've said this to a lot of coaches. A slow team that plays zone gets slower. So we were feeling like if we played faster on defense, maybe it would just make us faster as a team. And then it turns into how did we condition and how did we, did we teach them how to get faster? You can teach players how to get faster. You know, I have this big problem with a lot of coaches that say, you know, this is just the hand I've been dealt with and these kids are, are this and that. There's ways you can get them better, right? I mean, you, you, the development stage is the main stage. So we got kids faster. They got a little quicker. They got a little more athletic and that's, part of the training uh, obviously in college if you're a college coach you have some things that are a little easier you know you you have strength conditioning and you have these opportunities to where you don't have to do as much work on that end we had to do everything I mean we had to do the strength conditioning part the agility part uh, you know the, the game preparation the skill training we had to do it all and it was remarkable because what I learned from that was is it's really hard to be a high school basketball coach um, I think it would be easier to be a college coach. I think you have a lot more distraction as a college coach and a lot more outside things you have to do. But based fully on the court, I think it would be much easier for me to be a college basketball coach. The players I would get, you know, I could get them right into the stuff we want to do. I don't have to worry about them being prepared physically. Someone else is doing that. Um, I don't have to work, worry about skill as much because somebody else has already do that. You know, has done that. I could maybe add some pieces, you know, but at the same time, I, I'm getting players that have been pretty much trained. In high school, it's not like that. You know, in high school, you're developing them fully in every area. Uh, and it, typically, the high school coach is a teacher. I was not, but, you know, I was a teacher assistant. But you're around these kids as far as trying to turn them into young men. 
and, and it's difficult. It is very difficult. And I give a lot of credit to people who can be a high school coach for multiple years because it is a bear. It is an absolute bear because it's constantly trying to get these kids better and nobody else is really helping fully. Um, at the college level, you know, you're getting more help. So uh, that's not to knock a college coach because a college coach has to recruit. A college coach has all the, the media obligations. The college coach has to worry about where they're going to live and, and, the, and the possibility of being fired because of a bad season or in high school. It is like that, but not as cutthroat. Um, a lot more distractions for a college coach. A lot more work. Recruiting. I mean, on the road, it's, it's more strenuous that way. But as far as just on the court, again, I, I think it's much harder to be a high school coach to develop a player. It takes a lot, a lot of time. And you don't have enough time. You don't have enough time to do it. But creativity, finding different ways to get them better, uh, finding new ways to change your system or keep it the same but change, you know, make a little wrinkle. Um, you know, it's very easy when you're coaching if you, if you just say, okay, I've watched us on film a few times and this is what we're really terrible at. And uh, if we just change this one thing, that, that bad area, you know, will improve. Um, we had a really bad time when I coached our first year on varsity basketball was we were just not very quick. I mean, we just could not laterally move very well. So, uh, we, we had to use the size we had on our length, you know, you know, hands up, you know, you just constantly talk about have your hands up because if you get beat, at least when your hands are up and you recover, you know, and you make it tougher for the guy, you know, you can contest everything. We were big on contest every shot, contest, contest. I mean, it, it was nonstop saying that phrase, contest, contest, hands up, you know, close out on shooters. And, uh, you know, if you give space, you know, you got to have a hand up. And those are just things that we, we just were not a fast team. But those kids in my first year coaching, uh, in my year of varsity basketball, were just so special, and, and it was just so much fun, and they were great kids, great family uh, units, and, and and I'll tell you, you know, the sense of those seniors um, that graduated, you know, in, in uh, 2017, there, it was just so much fun to see those kids realize they had a good senior year. Because I, I think what happened was is there was a, uh, a depressing feeling when it came to basketball season because of the past failures. And the coaches before did a fantastic job. It just wasn't working. You know? And it very easily could have not worked for me that year. You know, the things that we wanted to do, it might have just not worked. But the kids bought in, and the kids really did a fantastic job. And I'll always remember that season, those kids at Napoleon High School uh, my one year there as the varsity coach were absolutely special, and we built strong relationships that year. My whole mentality was, you know, for them eventually to not only become better players, but one day to have better lives and to be great leaders. And you know, clearly, I'm I'm a flawed man. You know, I it didn't work out for me. Um, it, it was a sad ending for me, but at the same time, I think those kids. If they take the things that they learned that year uh, from me, just like I've taken things from other coaches that I've learned that maybe I didn't always agree with everything they did, but there was something you could always take. And I think what they learned more than anything that year was was how to be creative. You know, I really do. I think how do you make it work? It's the same thing as life. How in the hell do I make this thing work? You know, my life is a mess. You know, I, you know, I, this isn't going my way. 
Um, you know, the job's not going well. Uh, the family life isn't going as well as I thought it would. Or, you know, I, I'm on my own. What am I going to do to make it? And, and you got to be creative. And uh, we found a way to win a lot of basketball games because we were creative. We made little wrinkles and we never quit. And that's one thing I will say about myself is no matter what happens, I'm never going to quit. And uh, I'm going to find creative ways to keep on moving. And I'm proud of that. But I, I think those kids I coach will be, you know, absolutely the same way. And uh, that leads to my last C, and, and that's caring. Um, you got to care about your players. And, and, you know, the thing about it is anybody can say anything about anyone. You know, there's a public, you know, opinion about coaches and I think that people don't understand the things that coaches go through. You know, coaches, uh, you know, are human. They, they have lives, too. You know, they don't have everything on lock. Uh, high school coaches have a miserable situation because they don't make any money. And, and you know, I don't think people realize that a lot of the times. When, when you look at most coaches that coach in high school, they're teachers, they're educators, so they spend a whole day dealing with kids. They love it. They want to, you know, they want to care. There's some days when the care isn't there. The care is not there every day, or, or they care a little less because they have their own struggles. They have their own lives. One of the things I do believe, and all my players that played for me know this, is that I truly care, that I want them to be successful, that, that I would much rather them have a great life than me hang up banners. You know, I really don't care about winning more than them winning in life. So, you know, I, I think it's, it's something that miss, you know, is missing a lot. Like one thing with coach Calipari, I love about him is he is definitely going to talk more about what his players do after, you know, he's going to continue to, to pump up the NBA thing, which he should. I mean, it is selling, but at the same time, I think he is more proud of that than the national championship. I really think he is. I think he embraces that. He's always posting about how well his players are doing at the next level. Of course, that helps with recruiting. But at the same time, you, you get this sense that he talks more about the players than he does the program. And, and I think I was a lot like that. I, I talked a lot about our kids. I really felt that our players were always the most important thing in the program. They have to be. And that's caring. And I used to say that to our kids all the time. The most important people in this program are the players. And then that's bottom line. You know, and, and I you know, I don't know why, why I believe that is because my assistant coach, who helped me through youth basketball and travel basketball, who I had asked when I knew I wasn't going to be able to lead that program because I had personal things going on, I asked him multiple times if, if he thought he was ready. And, and he said yes. And I, and I knew he was. And I knew the players would like him because they had dealt with him for a few years. And I just knew that my care and what our culture was and, and, and how creative we were that no matter what happened, they were going to be prepared for anything. And, you know, I used to tell our kids all the time, expect the unexpected with me, you know, because, you know, the way my life has been and the way things are going and the way the basketball game goes, you just don't know what's going to happen. You have no idea. You don't know what the other team's going to do all the time. They might switch it up. You have to be prepared for everything. We did a lot of things where, 
You know, be prepared if they do this zone. Be prepared if they put on a press. Be prepared if if we're up 10 and all of a sudden they hit three threes. It's a one-point game. How do we play now? How do we play now when, when we're they just went on a run? You know, how can we play where I don't have to call a timeout? You guys got it. Settle down. Make it happen. So that's about situational coaching in practice. Every college coach does that. Where, you know, you're down 10, there's three minutes, they put it on the clock. You know, how do you play now? How do you make a comeback? How do you play with a sense of urgency? Those are big things, but more importantly than everything, you got to care. And I knew our kids, no matter who was the coach, you know, because another thing I used to say is all of the coaches you have right now, we're all your coach. You know, this, this isn't Jeremy's program. This is your program. We're your coaches. We're here to help you. We're your leaders, but, but this is your program. And I think what that does, especially at the high school level, is it teaches young kids how to be leaders. Like, this is mine. This is my program. You know, this is my opportunity. This is my, you know, college I go to. This is my career. This is my major. Um, I'm ready. You know, I'm ready to do this. And we cared. We really cared. And I think because we cared so much about everything, um, we won. We won a lot of basketball games. And, and my assistant coach won basketball games because the kids were the leaders of that program. And, and I think that I'll always be a player's first coach. I, I think I was, number one, a player. You know, I played eight years professionally because it just was in me. I, I loved the game. I still do. I was going to do whatever it took to be a great player. I worked on my game thousands of hours by myself. And I knew that the players win the games. The coaches lose the games. I mean, it's just, that's the bottom line. The coaches get the slack when you lose. The players get celebrated when they win. And I I love that. I don't want people to walk around and say, boy, that guy is a great coach. I, I could care less. I don't, you know, I don't care if anybody thinks I know what I'm doing at all. I care about what my players are doing. And, and the one thing is, you know, look, I, I'm competitive as they come. And I, and I believe in myself, too. And the one thing I can tell you, when I skills coach, when I work with my players' skill, I've had a lot of players that I've trained over the years that have really went somewhere and played at the next level in college, professionally, um, or had really good high school careers and just chose a different path. They always got better. They always got better from the training because I think I cared. I think I showed them that I care about their success much more than mine. You know, I I could really give a damn if parents ever talk good about my skills coaching. I just don't care. What I want to hear is my son or daughter is playing really well. That's all I want to hear. Or my son or daughter really enjoys that. My son or daughter has an opportunity to play at the next level. Um, you know, I, I looked up an article, I think it was last year. So in my area, when I coached, it was a little unique. And we go back to that sea of creativity. One of the things I did was I trained a lot of kids from my area. It wasn't just the kids I coached in high school. I, I had a business of training. The business didn't end very well for me. I can admit that. And the, the things I'll learn from that business will be uh, priceless in the end for me. But the one thing that I am very proud of is there was a group of kids that they say were the top 30 in the area that I coached in, which was Jackson County in, in Michigan. 
And when the top 30s list was on there, there was a few guys left off it that I trained that I thought were ridiculous. They should have been on there. But 28 of the 30 that were on that top 30 list, I had coached or trained at one point. And, and I was just happy for them. I wasn't sitting here saying to myself, I'm the reason, man. That's because I coached them. I trained them. No, I was just so happy that they took a couple things. They used it to their advantage, and they already were good players anyway. And they maybe took a few things, and it made them a top player. And, and that's what makes me happy is, you know, a lot of those kids are playing collegiately now. Um, I would say probably close to half or more. And, you know, that I've had girls that are playing at the next level. And, uh, you know, I, I've worked with kids from other programs, and their programs are successful. That makes me happy. And, and I'm really looking forward to what the next chapter is. Uh, the thing I miss about coaching the most, and um, I think people always ask that, you know, is what did you love the most about playing or what do you miss the most about coaching? And I guess I'll say with, with playing first is I miss the camaraderie. We're doing a lot of C words today. I miss the camaraderie with my teammates. I miss the competing with my teammates for the common goal. A lot of C words today, right? Uh, the common goal you know, being creative, uh, coming together. And that's what coaching and playing is about to me. And, uh, but the thing that I miss about coaching probably more than anything else was, uh, just the happiness your players have after a win. Uh, I, I don't think there's much things in my life I've had better than going into a locker room after winning a big game and seeing the smile on someone's face that, you know, we, we did, we did something really well, right? We won something. Uh, I think that in a, in the society today where winning means a lot of things, right? You know, winning could be, have a lot of likes on social media. Um, for me, um, I'm a pretty old school guy. I think when you fight hard and play hard and compete hard and you win a basketball game, I don't think there's no much better feelings in life than that. Because everything you did all week worked in the end. And uh, I do miss that part. I miss that part of the happiness. Um, and, and I will say I still miss the part of the sadness after a loss. Because I think it teaches you a lot when you get smacked in the face and you get knocked down. And you got to get yourself up the next morning. And, and you got to find a way to not have that feeling again. So I miss coaching and, and miss playing. I'm still a part of the game. I, I work on players' skills still as a skills coach. But, man, do I miss being in a locker room and, and, and dealing with that, you know, over just amazing joy of wins and then that deflating feeling after losing and having to step up and say, you know, we're going to be all right. This sucks. This is a bad feeling. But let's get up tomorrow, put our work boots on it, and get the job done. So uh, I, I hope some of these things today will help you as a coach. I hope some of these things will help you maybe as a leader in your company, uh, uh, an athlete, whatever it is you're doing in life. I think you could definitely use those three C's that I mentioned before, um, and that's culture, being creative, and caring. I, I think those are big things. So I uh, love you all. I'm, I'm, I'm blessed over here. I'm excited about the future. I, I hope you all have uh, you know, a great day, a great week. Uh, strive for your goals be the best person you can be and uh you know give your game life man 
this life is not promised for all of us. So, uh, you know, I enjoy doing this and I can't wait to get a couple more guests on. We usually go solo on this. This is more of a learning show. Hopefully you learn something from me because I've learned a lot from a lot of other people. That's for sure. The person you're listening to right now has is, is been very fortunate to learn from great people. So uh, stay blessed, my friends. And until then, Life and Ball Podcast, we give your game life.